Hello there, it's Brendan Wrongway Corrigan here with another installment of everybody's favourite podcast. Honestly, it is Wrongway's Columbia Cast. Now, of all the reasons people come to Colombia, especially those from more developed countries, having a baby, I think it's safe to assume, is not chief amongst them. Nonetheless, it does of course happen, perhaps more so with foreign men having children with local women here. That's my guesstimation based on anecdotal evidence anyway. However, today's guest books that trend in a number of ways. US born and bred, in 2016 she followed her then boyfriend to his ancestral home to give living in Colombia a go. Fast forward to 2020 and now with an Irish husband in tow, she gave birth to the adorable Millie earlier this year. Melissa Fabregas, welcome to Wrong Ways Columbia Cast. Thanks so much for having me. And I, I, I do appreciate how you <laughs> um, acknowledge how adorable Millie is. Oh, it de- <laughs> definitely takes after her father, Melissa. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, he'll be happy End to hear that. End of interview. <laughs> um, but before we, before we get into it, I, I must say, because I know you've just been feeding uh, Millie, but she could wake up again at any moment in time. So she's, in effect, the producer today. If she, she starts crying and wants a feed... Well, we've got to take a break, so we're well aware of that. But um, yeah. anyway, the, the fact uh, mentioning Eamon, your your Irish beau, and he's a good friend of this podcast. We had him on on the brother podcast that we did with Samana last year, the Columbia Cast. But you're both foreigners, and uh, you have no family ties. So going through pregnancy in Bogota must have been quite the experience, more so than I guess uh, other first time mothers. Did it worry you then at the start when you found out you were pregnant, like an, oh, my God, I'm going to have a baby here in Colombia? Um, in the beginning, not at all, because I just, uh, you know, I, I take life one day at a time. And so I kind of just figured, OK, we're having a baby and we might have a baby in the States. We might have a baby in Colombia, maybe England, wherever life takes us. Um, and then COVID happened. So. That was a bit more of a struggle than I anticipated uh, for a lot of reasons. For example, you know, my parents were going to come for the first month. And to tell you the truth, I I didn't realize how important that would be to me until it was, you know, taken away. So not having that support, it, it was an issue. It did give me a bit of anxiety. And, and I'm sure a lot of other expat moms or expat parents here, you know, that's a factor in how they raise their kids and how they have their kids here. Uh, so, you know, being able to travel back and forth or having people be able to come visit, uh, it's a big deal. You know, we're blessed in a lot of ways, but but that's something I didn't see coming. Yeah, of course. I mean, no, nobody did, I guess, if, if we knew that. Uh, do you think that if, if you knew it was coming, you would have made the decision then to go back to the States to have Millie? Uh, funny enough, we were in the States right before COVID hit. And so um, I made the quick decision to come back because we had just found a doctor that we really, really loved here in Colombia in Bogota. And then, you know, another thing is that, you know, Eamon's job is here. So I just felt like it was more important to uh, be with my husband and for us to be a family rather than me to give birth in the States. Uh, it wouldn't have been the end of the world, you know, uh, having a baby in California. But, you know, starting off as a family was something that was really important to me. So we kind of did have that option. And I chose Colombia. 
so you were obviously then pretty happy with all the the treatment and and the service that you were getting here from the minute you you found out you were pregnant like was there much support i mean i know your spanish is pretty okay but at the same time it reminds me of the the godfather movie when hyman roth says he didn't trust a a doctor that couldn't speak english i don't know if you're like that but um, (laughs) but like how how did you find it in those early days just just because obviously it's a completely new experience for you Actually, I did like the doctors that we found. However, um, the first one we found didn't take our insurance and we really, really loved him. But he didn't deliver. He didn't take our insurance. So we moved on to one other one that he recommended. That one did not speak English and we weren't his biggest fan. He was very professional, very sharp and everything. But for our birth experience, we wanted someone who was more like you know, to throw in a little bit of Spanglish, you know, cariñoso. (laughs) And so, um, you know, his his bedside manner was it was different. He just wasn't very sweet. Um, The third doctor we found happens to speak English. And she was just I mean, not like it's contest, but she won us over. And I mean, I really, really loved her. Uh, Still do. However, (laughs) the the weekend of our due date, she happened to be out of town. So uh, we hit a few oh, wow. bumps in the road. But at the end of the day, you know, mama and baby are safe and healthy. And that's kind of all you wish for. Yeah, it, it kind of seems so funny. You, you went through three three doctors. I mean, I don't know if that's the norm. Obviously, number one, I've never <laughs> given birth. I can't unless we're in a, in a, a movie like Junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Was that the name of it? And and I don't have a have a wife or a partner that's had a, had a child. But um, going that through you know three, three doctors, it does seem it seems a fair number. It's just that you, obviously you wanted to feel happy with with who who was going to walk you through this process. I guess. Of course, yeah. And then in terms of the, the supports from other mothers here, obviously on Facebook now you can find a group for pretty much anything. So I take it there was, there was and there are online supports. Yeah, there are a couple of resources, um, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. It's different when, you know, I mean, I'm constantly, I have four sisters, all of whom have children already. So I'm the last. Okay. Uh, so they're a huge support system for me. And I'm actually really big on researching things on YouTube and whatever, because like some of my sisters, they've had kids, you know, years ago. And so I think that when you've had kids years ago, maybe you forget what it was like or, you know, even asking my mom questions. She's like, oh, a lot's changed in in this many years, you know, since I had you guys. So um, she'll say her piece she's happy to give advice but it might not be current it might not be relevant to you know what we might experience right now so another thing is that you know i was talking about youtube and everything and i'm following all these people who talk about for example what to pack in your um in your bag to take to the hospital or what you should know what you should expect at the hospital what you should talk to your doctor about and a lot of those things were you know in english People in the States, people in England, people in um, Canada. So I really wanted more information about what to expect here in Colombia. And I didn't have I didn't have a lot of advice in that regard. 
people are very friendly and, and welcoming when you want advice, but it's not always that easy to ask. You kind of get over that. But, you know, with COVID and everything and being kind of new to this, it was hard to find those resources. You know, there are there's only one parents group on Facebook for Bogota. There's um, actually a play group that I was added to. Uh, after I gave birth. So it really would have been helpful to talk to these wonderful mamas before I gave birth. Yeah. But um, well, I was just going to say that um, I mentioned in the introduction that, that my guess would be that two foreigners having a baby here wouldn't be the norm. So the other mothers that you're now engaging with, are there others similar to you that, that it's kind of two, two foreigners living here? Or do most of them have family ties here, be it in-laws or, or whatever? I would say that most of them have Colombian husbands. Okay. So, you know, they can ask their in-laws or something mm -hmm. about what to expect. So So then if, if you were to give advice then to, to a first-time mother here, or even somebody who's not a first-time mother but is having a baby in Colombia and, and things that you wish you had known, what, what would they be? I would say... Um, Definitely find a few people that you trust and ask all questions you possibly can. Um, the most information I got actually was from a complete stranger. Somebody, oh, so, so we talked about COVID. So we couldn't go out and shop for baby things because our plan was, oh, when we get back to the States, we'll, you know, get the crib and get the, you know, the bouncer and, and all the baby stuff. Uh, that wasn't exactly possible. So what we did was we did go on Facebook group and we got a lot of a lot of pre-loved items, you know, and, and it ended up being really great. And through that, I was able, I was able to eat, meet other moms and ask questions about their experiences giving birth here. And I just thought to myself, you know, I this is something I want other moms to have access to because it's information that's not online. You know, I. It's really even the doctor's appointments, they were um, at this point, they weren't virtual or anything. But uh, Eamon couldn't even come to some of the appointments because they were only letting the patients in. And a lot of the doctors were only seeing their their pregnant patients. And, you know, they're not doing annuals right now. So okay. in general, if you were to I mean, I know you've got nothing to compare it to, with, but like you were pretty satisfied with with the process obviously in light of, of the exceptional circumstances that we're going through with, with COVID and, and lockdowns and restricted access and all that kind of stuff. But in general, like it, you felt that you were well supported. Is, is that fair to say? I do in ways. Um, what I wish I had known before was how kind of, um, and, and of course I'm not a medical expert, but seems like they have some kind of aversion to natural deliveries and um, they were very pro formula. Um, so those were hiccups that I had in the hospital. I ended up having to have a C-section and, you know, like there were parts of it cause we did hire a doula. And so she wasn't allowed in the delivery room, obviously. Um, Pre-COVID, she would have been. Sorry, you hired a what, Melissa? Sorry, no, this excuse my ignorance, but you hired uh, a doula, which is go on. Sorry, I, I don't know what that okay, is. Okay, so it's it's not quite a midwife or anything, but um, they are 
Uh, I would say that they're experts in childbirth and Ah, she, so she would have served as like a coach for me. She did a lot of, um, she prepared us for what to expect in the hospital in the event of a C-section or what a natural delivery would be like in Colombia, uh, what the differences might be. Um, so yeah, that's a huge piece of advice. Hire a doula, just do it. She was worth every penny. Um, sweetest woman ever. I had, there were a few that we interviewed. We went with one, but I mean, all of them were very professional, very highly recommended. So I, that's something I definitely would advise mothers in Colombia to do. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a good. And also it makes the experience a lot more personal because she kind of gets to know what we want and, you know, how we want this experience to go. Of course. You mentioned the, the C-section, which you, you had to have in the end. And I get the feeling that you obviously would have preferred a natural birth. But was it? Yes. Was there no other option in the end? Or or, or was it just that the, the hospital decided, no, we're, we're going to uh, go the C-section route? Um, well, there were... Honestly, I'm not a medical expert again, Mm -hmm. but there are a few things I've heard from other expat moms as well that they try to schedule C-sections and everything. Um, My original doctor did not. She knew how much I wanted a vaginal birth and she was totally on board with it. Um, However, she was out of town. So I did have another doctor who I trusted and he was very professional uh, amazing. I felt like I was well taken care of, but I'm not entirely sure if it was 100% necessary. In the end, we're healthy and happy, so I'm happy, but uh, I think that I would have stood up for myself a lot more, especially, one, had my doula been allowed in the room with us. Uh, two, were there not a language barrier? You know, like we talked about, I mean, my Spanish is pretty good, but... When it comes to, you know, a medical mm-hmm. situation, uh, that's very specialized language. And also, um, my husband's Spanish, uh, like he was aware of, you know, my wants and needs and everything. However, I'm not entirely sure if he knew everything that was going on when it was going on. And so and, and even Melissa, I, you know, not to, to rush to the, the, to the defense of Eamon, but I, I, even if there wasn't a language barrier, I'm guessing a uh, first time father in that situation as well. His head is probably all over the place because they 100 percent, 100 percent. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in his defense, you know, first time yeah. dad and plus language barrier. It's just, uh, it's very overwhelming. And, you know, again, we had planned to take classes and everything, but that wasn't an option. So I I think things just kind of happened so quickly that I, it didn't exactly go the way I planned, which nothing ever does. So this this isn't complaining and this is not, um, I'm not using some kind of platform to talk about all my gripes with uh, the Colombian medical system because overall I'm very happy with our experience. And you, yeah, you were in, uh, it was Santa Fe, am, am I correct in saying that? That yes. was the hospital? Yes, which, we were. Yeah, in. which would be recognized as like one of, if not the best. Uh, uh, in the country, hospital. I'd say. Yeah, exactly. So at, at the hospital where uh, 
former president Juan Manuel Santos got his uh, cancer treatment, I believe. So, yeah, so, I mean, in terms of, I guess, having an operation like a C-section and things like that, you, yeah, you couldn't have been in a, in a better mm-hmm. place, really. Exactly, exactly. But my understanding is that they don't do a lot of vaginal births. They're geared towards C-sections. And what what I suppose, as, again, a non-medical expert, what I suppose is that they just don't have a lot of experience with it. So maybe it makes them a little bit uneasy. Um, everyone's <laughs> feel free to chime in in the comments or wherever this is posted, wherever people are listening, um, why you think this is or if, I'm, if I have it completely wrong. But they do tend to push people in that direction a little bit more often than not. Maybe not a little. Okay. Yeah, it'd be interesting, actually. Um, I'm going to do some uh, some searching after this then to find out what the what the percentage is, the ratio of, of natural births to mm-hmm. C-sections here in Colombia. Maybe, yeah, they, as you said, they do push them in that direction. Um, but just in terms of then, um, obviously, once you give birth to Millie um, and you mentioned how the plan was that your your mom and, and the, well, your mom anyway, at least, was going to come down here and help with the, those first uh, few weeks or, or months. And that obviously couldn't happen with with the COVID nineteen exactly. restrictions. But you do have a you do have a nanny. So uh, has the nanny replaced your mom in a sense? You weren't. Were you planning to have a nanny at this early stage? Um, yeah, we were. Uh, so she okay. was. She hasn't replaced her. Um, but it does really, really, really help my sanity to have the house clean because again, I had just mentally prepared for a normal delivery, and then. You know, here I am recovering for weeks after from a C-section and, you know, you, you need help just to stand up or you need help just to do X, Y, and Z. And so just to have a clean house, Eamon's been great. He, you know, even before Millie or before we got pregnant, super awesome with like the cooking and chipping in with chores and everything. So, uh, but even more so now that, now that I'm kind of out of commission, well, was out of commission I'm, I'm much better now yeah you're slowly but uh but yeah our empleada has been a godsend and she's very sweet and she loves millie and that just makes me so happy because you know some people some people i assume maybe do it just because it's a job but she, i mean she genuinely loves babies and is great with her so to have somebody yeah. here with me along the way who is a mother uh, that that means a lot to me. Yeah, and, and obviously you can yeah kind of bounce off her for you know if you've any doubts and things that she has she has that experience which of course she would mm-hmm. have been getting from from your mum but unfortunately she can't be here. Uh, and of course the other thing is you mentioned that your Spanish is okay but I know you're kind of keen that Millie hears both languages. Uh, I, I was going to say maybe the three languages because Irish English is is something different as well. So. <laughs> So I know that the nanny as well, or the empleada, um, speaks a little bit to, to Millie in Spanish. So that, that's obviously going to be good. I mean, oh yeah, this day and age, if if, if you're a polyglot growing up, you're going to have a, a big advantage. Yeah, I I speak English to her when she's uh to Millie when it's just us, you know, uh, when our nanny's in, in the house. Oh yeah, I, of course. Yeah, sorry, you mentioned that. That's the the Filipino because um, you're of Filipino extraction as well. So yeah, we, we Filipino didn't mention extraction. That. I love that term. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I tell, I tell our nanny, talk to her all the time, say like, talk to her. She sings to her. Um, a lot of, 
Colombian little songs that I need to learn. I think they're really cute. So um, it'll it'll be great, you know, having a multicultural baby. I already feel multicultural, you know, growing up in the States. I, you know, I'm very American, but I'm also very Filipino as well. So uh, she'll she'll have a lot to learn. Exactly. And I know you're in the process of of like actually officially sorting out the the paperwork uh, because Millie will be um, the quintessential international baby. She's going to have a Colombian passport, a U.S. passport and an Irish passport. So, I mean, you can't get more international. It's going to be a great kind of great start in life. Yeah, uh, it seems like a lot of people are really excited about that. Um, She's a very, very lucky little girl. Uh, yeah, and she's got got great parents as well. There, I mean, I, I'm testament to the um, to the cooking of Eamon. He stepped into that role as well, and his baking. He bakes some wonderful brown bread. Uh, so, uh, I'm go- you might see more of me passing around your house over the next few weeks. I just want to oh, mention yeah. those. Well- yeah, he has um, he has me on an all carb diet. Well, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but anyway, you'll give it, you'll give it a lash for the next while. You need plenty of nutrients uh, when you're breastfeeding. Obviously, you haven't been out and about because um, uh, you mentioned that there was maybe a push towards formula, but this day and age, or in, in this coronavirus time, you, you can't really go out anyway. So there, ha- there hasn't been. You haven't obviously come across any any people kind of going, "Oh, you're not allowed to breastfeed in here." I, that that might be something down the line. I don't know what it's like here in Colombia, so that could be something you, you'll experience in a few months. Um, well, I don't want it to be misconstrued as they're anti-breastfeeding. But okay. uh, in the States nowadays and very much in the UK, it, it, they seem to be very pro best fe- breastfeeding. The truth is, you know, the expression fed is best. That That is the truth. But, um, you know, it was important to me to nurse Millie if I could. And it seemed like they really insisted that I supplement with formula. So, like, they were helping me and everything, you know, and with the nursing However, they would just mm-hmm. come in with a bottle of formula and start feeding her without even saying anything. And it, it just seemed like that was a little bit out of line. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm being picky, but uh, there was a point where, where I was like, you need to stop giving my baby formula because she's not going to um, nurse if you keep giving her formula. You know, if she's satisfied with the bottle, she's not going to. And that was that's what I believe. And they kept explaining to me uh, why they needed to give formula because, and I totally disagree with this, but they said she's such a big baby. She's a really big baby. So she needs more food. I just don't think that's true at all. Um, Again, if there are any nurses or anything listening in, let me know if I'm wrong. I I might be, but from my understanding, uh, they need very little milk in the beginning. And so, what I was offering was fine. Um, however, their idea of a big baby to me is kind of outlandish. Millie was seven pounds, uh, so 3.3 kilos. Uh, in the States, average. that's, yeah. I don't know if that's a small baby, but average is okay. seven and a half pounds. And so, like, again, when I was pregnant, you know, our doctor kept saying, uh, oh, this is a really big baby. You need to watch your sugar, da 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 um, yeah, this baby is so big. You, you need to be really careful. She's such a big baby. I mean, every single time I went in, it was about how big she was. Um, and she was only seven pounds. And then 
like after she was born, I was like, oh, well, that's not that big. And then, you know, the nurses and everyone kept saying, oh, she's such a big baby. And I'm like, are you guys like, <laughs> are your pants too tight? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> Am I getting crazy pills? Uh, like, I, I was concerned for a really big baby because Amos nine and a half pounds. Um, okay, so, yeah, well. cheers to his mom. But uh, so their version of big baby is very, very different than mine. And then also what a big baby needs versus a little baby. I, I am not under the impression that her stomach is so much bigger than <laughs> than a, you know, a Colombian average size baby. <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah. Interesting. But it, as things are going now, are you? 100% breastfeeding or, or do you supplement in the house as well or, or, um, or what's the story? Exclusively breastfeeding. So, okay. you know, the doula that I talked about that I absolutely love and would recommend to anybody, um, you know, she mm-hmm. came for to consultation and she helped me out. And again, like the support system, like I was, I pumped one time and I got like dropped and I called my mom and my sister and I was like, oh, this is all I got. And they said, oh, that's good. That's really good. And I needed to hear that because and I wasn't expecting to like pump a whole bottle of milk or anything, but um, your expectations versus what actually happens might be very different. And so you need that support system to, you know, keep you going. Yeah, of course. And when, when and, and when it is first time, yeah, there's so many things that, that are just completely novel. Uh, so I, I, can, I, I can only imagine, as they say, I just want to move on to in terms of uh well, nappies, as we say in our side of the world, and diapers, because I know you're kind we, of um, environmentally conscious in this regard, and you're we going. We say nappies for... in this house. Oh, you do say nappies. We okay, do. that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Eamon calls them nappies, and I just roll with it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't have a preference, but obviously, yeah, uh, um, from my side of the world, nappies is the is the order of the day. But you you've gone for reusable ones. That was a decision, obviously, you you took before before Millie came along. You were going to go for that, and how how are you finding that? Is it uh, well, obviously you've nothing to compare it with because you didn't go for the nappies. Well, I I've changed a fair amount of disposable diapers in my lifetime. You know, having several okay. uh, nieces and nephews, having babysat, and you know, I have friends with kids. Um, yeah, I I made this a, the decision to do cloth nappies. Um, a lot of the cloth nappy groups on Facebook that I follow, everyone talks about how they don't have support, um, how their husbands think it's gross, or their in-laws say X, Y, and Z about it, or everyone talks about how gross it is. Um, I have found nothing but good responses. I have one sister who said, oh, that's gross. Uh, and I said, yeah, <laughs> it's poop. It's gross. <laughs> so, I mean, like, if you're dealing with disposables or reusables, um, it doesn't matter. You're a parent and you're dealing with these things. And, um, you know, it's environmentally friendly. Uh, apparently, it, I think it takes anywhere between three and five hundred years in a landfill for a disposable nappy wow. to break down. So uh, I'm a bit of a hippie. I don't know if you knew this, Brendan, but, um, <laughs> and I say that with love for hippies, of course. but, uh, you know, you know, uh, I think it's a really good decision to make. I don't judge anyone who doesn't make that decision. It's honestly for the person changing the diaper. It's exactly the same. You're taking off the old one. You're putting on a new one, a clean one 
for other than that, there's extra laundry. So it's really not that big a deal. It's not hard. It's not, um, it's not that time consuming. It doesn't have to be, uh, it's like another load or two of laundry every week. So with the baby, yeah. you're, you're already doing a ton of laundry. I mean, so. Of course. And just in terms then of maybe the, the kind of like logistics behind it, how many cloth nappies do you have to, to, to keep the, the cycle going? Um, well, they come in different sizes or they can come in one size where they're adjustable. So I've, I have a newborn stash of probably, honestly, probably like 50 something, probably more, um, okay. which is way more than you need. Uh, some parents, they do, they'll have like 20 or something like that. They'll have like 20 to 40 and they can claw full time doing laundry every day. I don't want to do laundry every day. I want to wait for a full load. So I, I chose to buy more, but uh, a lot of parents just do it, you know, in the house. And then when they go out, they use disposables, any little bit helps. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate for cloth nappies. Uh, but, um, again, you know, there's certain things you're willing to do and there are certain things that seem a little bit overwhelming and like a little bit too much. Um, I'm really glad we tried it. Eamon was on board from the second I suggested it and he was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, if you say it's environmentally friendly and saves us money, then, you know, I don't see why we wouldn't do it. So, um, I have a lot of support. Our empleada is super on board okay. with it and, and you mentioned the cost effectiveness of it as well so over the long run uh, and even in the short run you are you are saving money yeah you, i mean you can uh you can spend quite a bit but then if you really want to you can spend less than a hundred dollars for for um your child's entire diaper career let's say wow. <laughs> and um I mean, you can spend a thousand, but you can also spend a hundred. Uh, whereas they say that for uh, disposable diapers per kid, you're probably spending anywhere between fifteen hundred to you know three thousand dollars, depending on the brand and how many they use, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the you know disposable wipes and and everything. There's I could talk about this all day. You need to stop me. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot to it. Well, no, it's it's I find it quite interesting. I'm I'm green-minded myself, so if I ever do have uh, have my own son or daughter in the coming years, I think it's something I'm going to definitely look into. Um, but look, Melissa, I think I might have heard um, Millie in the background there um, letting out a, a shout or two, saying, "Mammy, I'm hungry." Am I, am I right? She's a little bit hungry right now, so we're gonna have to. Short. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going. I'm going to let you go. Um, maybe just finally to say, obviously you're you're delighted with Millie. Um, so are there plans afoot for uh, number two? <laughs> Eamon will probably kill me for asking that question. For number two, um, uh, you know, I I'm up for it. He's up for it. So it's it's gonna happen. Well, we look forward to that, and that you'll be a pro. Then you can come back and give us uh, more advice. Well, as you mentioned, people in the comments section and that and where we share the, the podcast can can, um, can ask questions. So may, maybe we'll have you back, uh, Melissa, if we get in, uh, plenty of questions or, or nurses or doctors disputing things or whatever. But it, it's been fascinating and I hope um, the, the advice that you've given here and your experiences will be helpful for other people who are going to find themselves 
in uh, similar positions. But uh, thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us here on Wrongways uh, Columbia Cast. Melissa Fabricast, first time mother with the beautiful little Millie, uh, whose daddy Eamon is a good friend as well of the podcast here. If you do want to get in touch with us, uh, remember my Twitter handle is at WayCorrigan, or you can find my page on Facebook that's uh, at Wrongway Corrigan Blog. But until the next time, ciao. Ciao, ciao.